Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is COO Alliance member Julia Gordy, who's head of operations at Ad Outreach. Ad Outreach is a company that helps entrepreneurs and marketers harness the power of YouTube ads to skyrocket their leads and sales. Julia's integral management at Ad Outreach and specializes in analyzing and improving organizational processes to improve quality, productivity, and efficiency. As one of the first employees at Ad Outreach in 2018, Julia has worn almost every hat in the business as the company scaled to helping over a thousand companies generate multiple eight figures in client revenue through YouTube ads. She specializes in analyzing and improving organizational processes, working to improve quality, productivity, and efficiency so that Ad Outreach can best serve their clients. So Julia, welcome to the Second Command Podcast. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to um, to learning from you and to to learning more about you as well. So how did you get involved in Ad Outreach? How did you find out about them and how did they learn about you? So I first found out about Ad Outreach when Alaric, our CEO, uh, came to speak at my marketing class when we were both actually in college. Um, so he came to give a presentation about you know what he does. And um, he was at the time searching for two interns um, and I you know, watched presentation and was like, wow, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, you know, I was a marketing major and I knew that I wanted to do advertising and I love YouTube. So having him come into my marketing class and say, I've got an opening for an internship, um, you know, involves YouTube ads. I basically knew I had to do everything possible to get this internship. Um, and so, you know, I went through the interview process and it went really, really well. Um, and then he ended up actually only hiring me as an intern because he realized that I could do the job of two people. <laughs> now, and the company was how many people at that point? So the company was Alaric um, and then one friend of his who ended up leaving the company um, relatively soon after. And then that was it. And then me as their intern. <laughs> Yeah. So there was no company really. It was like a, it was an idea and a start. I mean, there was a company, it was a legal definition of, of a company, but you, you weren't joining a company with a big operation or lots of people yet. So you were attracted to the purpose of it and to the, to the idea of what they did and the product itself. And then the company just kind of evolved underneath you. So what's the size of the company today? So today we have um, almost 40 team members um, and yeah, going from <laughs> very quickly in just three years. Yeah. To go, to go from you and Alaric and one person who kind of left shortly after to 40 people, that's pretty rapid growth. So every day, this is the biggest thing that you've ever done. The biggest thing he's ever done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. What have the challenges been for you as, as the head of operations? What kind of challenges have you had to, um, to kind of take over or counter or get through? What, what have you had to go around? So I would say the biggest challenge has been, at least for me personally, has been um, finding, you know, work-life balance, being that, you know, I'm young, I'm, you know, so passionate about this company and about, of course, the team that we've grown that I, you know, I want to put as much energy as I possibly can into everything. And so, uh, you know, learning how to say, you know, no to certain things and prioritize, you know, what needs to be done first um, was definitely difficult at first, especially 
um, as we grew very quickly and there was, you know, more and more that I was taking on, um, just learning how to maneuver through that. And I'm, that's something I'm still learning today. How about in terms of any of the functional areas of the business? Are there any areas of the business that you bump your head into and you go, wow, I just, I just don't know how to do this? Or how are you learning through some of those areas? So I'm very thankful that, um, you know, we invest in coaching and for really any area that, um, you know, we feel that we need to work on or that we can improve upon. Um, so when it comes to, for example, you know, finances, you know, I majored in marketing, not finance. I took finance and accounting classes, but I would not classify myself as an accountant. We work currently with a fractional CFO and I meet with them every other week to, you know, go over um, our books and to really, you know, dive into the finances of the business and learn more and more about this so that, you know, I'm able to take um, that over. And then, you know, other areas like um, HR, that's something where I'm able to reach out to other, you know, mentors that we have and, you know, ask how they've dealt with certain internal situations. So I am really, really grateful for all the resources that I have available um, for areas that I'm still learning about. And is that something that you're bringing into the rest of the company as well? Like, are you bringing those kinds of mentoring and, and resources or coaching to other members of your team as well? Or is that something that just you and Alaric are doing? No, that's something that we make um, available for pretty much the entire team. Um, obviously, for different departments, we'll have different you know coaches. So sales has their own coach. Um, we actually recently uh, invested in, in a Tony Robbins um, coaching for the entire team. Um, but, and then we also have like, other things that, that uh, encourage team members to go out and find, um, you know, courses and books that we are happy, happy to uh, cover just to encourage everyone to, you know, learn and seek ways to improve themselves, both, you know, professionally and personally. And have you got a budget per person on that or a budget for the company or is it just, yes, go for it, keep learning, keep growing? So we have a, we do have a general budget, a general percentage that we um stick to but when it comes to things like you know a book a course um you know i'm not going to nickel and dime someone for courses and for um books but when it comes to coaches you know that would be a discussion but in general um we haven't said no yet and and what about for yourself in terms of where your core focus is for growing are there core areas you're growing on or you're focusing on your growth so for me right now i would say um i'm really focusing on uh, things like, you know, I would say the finances and um, just being able to kind of zoom out and then from a high level, look at, you know, where we're growing, where, where, you know, we might need to do some like fine tuning when it comes to metrics across all departments. So really getting an understanding of um, honestly, the oper like operations at a, at a higher level at a much larger scale. And then for you and Alaric, how have you decided on how to divvy up the organization? Is this, and has it been an evolving process as you've grown? Yeah. So it's definitely um, evolved as we've grown. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, second in command when I first started, it was definitely something that I had to, you know, or. Well, you were pretty, you pretty much were the second in command. There was nobody else there at some point it was you and him. So it was definitely though, it was something that I, I would say, you know, I earned and, you know, um, we really got from the beginning, we did have that trust, you know, if he needed something or if he needed help with something, I was always his go-to person. But when it came to, um, you know, a leadership role, that's something that was definitely an evolution over time. Um, and then 
when it comes to, I guess, splitting things up, I would say that he is incredible on the visionary side on, you know, painting what the future is going to be like and, you know, also relaying that to the team. Um, and then my job, and this is something that I think for us has been a dynamic that's worked really, really well. Um, my job is the execution is, you know, he'll give the big idea and then I, I will figure out how we can make it happen. And are you at the stage yet where you've hired someone smarter than you? I mean, you're, you're pretty smart. It's been apparent. I mean, I've seen you around our CO Alliance meetings and I spent some time with you at one of our CO Alliance events. And I, I recognize that you've got some skills that are, you're, you're a little bit wise beyond your years. Um, but have you hired someone smarter than you yet? Because we all do at some point. Absolutely. I would okay. say that we've hired some very, very skilled um, people, especially on our client success team. Um, the people who you know are directly working with our clients in their ad accounts, and I'm I'm glad that they. I mean, I think everyone has their different strengths, but there are things that you know they do that like truly amaze me, and I know I could never reach that level when it comes to marketing. And so, if you've hired those people, how do you? This is something that that often great leaders, when they get this, they go to the next level of even being great, but. When you can hire people that are truly better than you and you're not worried about putting yourself out of a job, how do you grapple with that whole, am I going to make myself, you know, less desirable inside the company or less responsible or less valuable? If I hire all these smart people, what am I going to do? How have you gone through that mental or have you even had that mental hurdle yet? I would say for me that that thought hasn't really come to mind, I think, because my motivation on bringing on such, you know, intelligent and talented um, employees is that it's only going to make the company better. Of course, you know, we want them to be a great culture fit and, you know, we want them to work well with the team, but, you know, in the end, it's only going to help make us stronger. Um, and also I think that everyone has their own individual zones of genius. Um, I wouldn't say that I have necessarily, you know, brought on anyone that wants to, that has outright said, Hey, Julia, I want to do everything that you do. <laughs> um, and so, Maybe that's why you know I'm not concerned in that sure. area specifically, but um, I'm yeah I I've just been nothing but excited when you know, we bring someone on and I know that they're just going to crush it and they're going to make our clients so happy and they're going to continue to improve upon um, the processes because I know that you know what I built years ago in terms of SOPs and you know how we run things you know I can't go in and change and update every single thing and so someone needs to take my place and take all the hats that I've worn. And, you know, when that person is really great, I, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Now talk about the, the, um, the model itself. So ad outreach, walk us through kind of the, your, your core products and services. It's a little different from what I originally thought it was. So we actually, yeah, so we have a very unique um, offer. So we have a done with you program. So um, we're not an agency where, you know, everything is done for a client. And then we're not just, you know, a course where someone's given a bunch of videos um, and there isn't necessarily a ton of support. Um, we have a unique done with you process where our clients, depending on the program, um, will work with us hands-on for um, a certain amount of time to, you know, script and it's through every step of launching their YouTube ads from scripting their ad um, they film it, they submit it for feedback. We also help them with their funnel, with their offer. Uh, really, you know, we try a holistic approach um, when it comes to helping our clients. And then of course, you know, when it's time to launch their ads, we're there for setting them up, optimizing, and eventually scaling those winning campaigns. 
Interesting. So, and why are you not doing the done for you component? What's the, is it because you don't have as much buy-in from the clients or the clients get frustrated with creative? What's the thought process behind that? So we actually, we used to have a done for you offer, but um, it really limited the amount of people that we were able to help um, because, you know, if we have some people that are in the done for you, some people that are done with you, you know, you end up of course spending more time on clients where you're doing it for them. And then that limits the bandwidth for all of these other people that, you know, we could help and work with. And ultimately when it came to, you know, our mission, which is, you know, to empower as many entrepreneurs and business owners as we can through YouTube ads, through, you know, value-driven video marketing, it made more sense to do a model where, you know, a done with you model where we can help people and we can empower them as well. You know, we're not just, you know, they know their business far better than we know their business. And so mm-hmm. if we're able to empower them, give them, you know, the tools to run their ads, um, then that they're going to get incredible results. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Tell me about your different client avatars. Who would your typical clients be? <clears throat> so a majority of our clients are online businesses, um, coaches, consultants, course creators, um, really anyone in this online space. We, we worked with, um, large amount of people in the online space. And then we also though have worked with um, local businesses. We've worked with doctors, we worked with dentists, lawyers. Um, it's really, uh, one of our clients actually said it really well in a testimony. He said, if you have a business and you have a face, you should be on YouTube. And I agree. If you have a business and a face, you should be on YouTube. Yep. So, all right, give us a couple of the secrets. If anybody's listening and, and um, they're considering working with you, what's going to make them a good client about outreach and what kind of people should we just tell, yeah, no, you're not a good fit? I would say, I mean, that it's really dependent on, um, you know, what their goals are. I mean, if they're looking to, you know, bring in you know, leads and sales through uh video marketing through YouTube. And if they are also someone, you know, we find that the clients that get the best results, of course, are the ones who implement. And so if they're, you know, ready to implement, if they're ready to, you know, take this next step, um, because, you know, it can be, you know, a bit daunting to enter, you know, video marketing. A lot of people have no experience with that yet. And that's something that we don't take lightly. You know, we make sure that we're supporting our clients as much as possible through the process. Um, you know, giving them support in any area that they need. But I mean, if someone's ready and, you know, they want to get more clients, you know, we're You're there. Happy. Is there, is there a typical budget that the clients need to start with you? It really ranges. Um, I would say the bare minimum for your ad spend per month is around $500 per month being the bare minimum because there is testing that goes into, you know, the strategy. Um, we have, a, a method that's a, like a similar to a bullseye where, you know, first you, you know, throw, imagine a dartboard, you throw a bunch of arrows and, you know, some will land on the outside and then there'll be some that land close to the middle. So then you eliminate all the ones on the outside and then you would just have the ones that are in the middle. And those are the ones where you'll be able to scale that budget and, you know, find those really those winning campaigns, those winning keywords, those winning audiences that you can layer. And I'm sure there are ads coaches on my team that could explain this really, really well. Um, But, you know, that strategy um, we found works really well. And if you're able to, again, do that initial testing and then zero in on what works and scale it, um, it 
it will, uh, yeah, it'll get a really good ROI. All right. So let's talk about the growth. So to go from the, the, the UN Elric to 40 employees over three years, what have you learned through some of that growth? What have you learned in building the team? And I guess in the recruiting, interviewing, onboarding, um, and, and aligning of those people, what, what are some of the lessons? So I would say some of the lessons in the growth, um, one was that I learned actually through bringing on team members. I think that was where I realized what position I wanted to be in because for a while I didn't really know, you know, where I would fall in the end. I just knew I you know, loved ad outreach. I love working with this company. I love building this company, but I didn't know what my role would be long-term. And then, you know, as I, as we needed to make new hires and I, you know, as usual, raised my hand to do the, even though I'd never done recruiting, never interviewed people, I just searched how to do it and, and started doing it. Um, through bringing on team members and through getting on interviews and talking about what we do, I realized that like, I love that. I love being able to represent the company and bring and welcome people in to the company. Um, so that was for me, a very exciting lesson. And then in terms of, you know, other lessons that may have been like harder to learn, I would say that, um, you know, the challenges that come with, as you grow, there are, um, you know, there are some people who are uh, some people, everyone on the team has their own, you know, of course there are company goals, but then everyone has their own individual goals. And so being mindful of that and making sure that, you know, we're checking in with every single person on the team to say, Hey, you know, how are you feeling right now in your position? You know, does, you know, does this align with your goals? How can we empower you to do more if they want to do more, just making sure that we're having those conversations um, is really, really important because we're so busy and we're all of us are so passionate about what we do that it can be easy to just forget these really crucial conversations. And I think if, we're so growth oriented, it's important that we emphasize also the, the personal and professional development of every single team member. And in terms of the age of your organization, you guys are pretty Gen Y, you and Alaric are both younger. Um, I think you're the youngest member we have in our CO Alliance, which is amazing. Curious on the, um, on the team itself, do you have a team of people that are older or are you very Gen Y um, you know, in that size as well? Um, we have a mixture of people. I mean, there are people on our team that have, um, you know, children, they have families. Um, I would say we do have a, a solid amount of people that are um, around, you know, my age and Alaric's age, but, you know, we, it's a, actually a really diverse group of people, um, which has been really, really interesting and fun. And yeah, has there been any real learning from you with that at all in working with the, with the different age, age groups? Um, I, I would say that learning that, you know, people like, I think actually I've learned lessons in work-life balance from people who have kids who, from you know, people who they, ha- they don't have a choice, to, you know, when it comes to, you know, logging off, they need to log off to go. It was, it was actually one of my questions I was going to ask you is do any of your team have kids yet? Because it is a transition point when a company goes from everybody can go out for beer, everybody can show up early, everyone can do whatever we want to, oh, shit, I have a family. I've got like other, you know, other things, other priorities. So you have had to deal with some of that. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say deal with it. It's more of a, um, 
it's part of life. I mean, it's, it's. Oh, but I remember dealing with it. I was the first at 1-800-GOT-JUNK to have a child and it changed everything. Well, all of a sudden I'm like, no, we're not having 7 a.m. fucking breakfast every day. Like I'm not doing this. Like I need, or no, I can't go out for drinks every night. Like this can't happen. I got a family, which I'd like to keep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I think for us, I mean, one part of it too has been a lot of the people that we brought on, um, you know, it was our biggest period of growth when it came to hiring new employees was during COVID. So it was all remote. Mm -hmm. So I think that probably helped in, you know, hiring someone, then having kids, not having kids, not really being an issue because we were already remote. Yeah. And we're very empathetic to that now as well. So you had to hire a lot of people um, remote. What were you doing to hire them and to make sure that you were hiring the right kind of people? What were the systems you were using for your recruiting and interviewing? So for every candidate at that time, now we've, now it's changed a little bit now that we've, you know, grown and I've empowered other team members to um, hire for their departments. But for, at, during that time, I did every single first round interview as kind of a guard of company culture. So even if it was a topic that I didn't know a lot about um, for the skill fit, I would always do that first round interview that was, you know, can this, per, you know, does this person fit in with our culture? Are they going to work well with the team? Um, and I would say, you know, since I've been here from the beginning, I have a very good read on that. And then if they pass that test, then I would move them on to the next round interview. And, you know, depending on the position, there would be, you know, either two rounds, three rounds. Um, it all depended on the position. But having me there kind of as that, that first person they talked to um, was really helpful. And also, if I really, really like someone, I would make sure to say, hey, this person is awesome. Let's fast track them. Let's mm -hmm. You know, they have, I could you know, really see them doing well. Yeah. I, I like process for a process uh, at some point, but sometimes I just like skip right over the process and hire the person. It's like, if you know, they're great, let's hire them before someone else does. Exactly. Where have you guys really screwed up? I mean, it's kind of natural in growth to have some, some mistakes. What have been some of your big mistakes um, as a company? And then let's talk about you second. Um, I would say that one mistake that we made as a company um was so in 2020 uh you know we hit 10 consecutive uh, record-breaking months in our uh booked revenue for sales and we kept saying you know you know we, we would be happy of course but we had this mantra of normalize you know normalize it because we wanted to make sure that we would continue hitting records and we were doing a great job of normalizing, but we were really, it was, if there's, you know, a, a, a percentage to it, it was probably 95%, uh, you know, normalize and keep on going 5%. If that of celebration of gratitude of mm. taking a moment to realize, wow, we've, you know, come a really long way from where we started. Um, and doing that so many months in a row, uh, kind of burnt us out a bit around November of 2020. A lot of us were not quite sure why we were feeling <laughs> burnt out. And then we reflected on it and realized, Oh, we haven't. And part of it too, was that we were in lockdown. It's a little yeah. hard to celebrate, but yeah, yeah. You know, we realized that, you know, wow, we hit these milestones and haven't celebrated. And, and that was actually something um, that we instantly, you know, turned around and, made sure that we not only celebrated, but also expressed gratitude for 
every single team member. Um, and so now, you know, and then of course, we had 10 consecutive record break months in a row, then one not record breaking. And then instantly, once we, you know, kind of flipped the switch and really, you know, showed as much appreciation as we, you know, could for our team members, we actually implemented core value awards to, you know, spotlight team members that were doing really, really well. And then we saw again, another record breaking month. And then last month, we actually had our first million dollar month in booked revenue, which was a huge milestone for us. So yeah, it's interesting on that whole, um, it's almost like we're driving towards the horizon and we're only going to be happy when we get to the horizon. If we don't stop to look in the rear view mirror and see how far we've just come, we we really miss the point, right? And it's interesting. I love the idea of normalize it, normalize it, but it's almost like normalize it and celebrate and then normalize it or celebrate first. Like let's celebrate how far we just came now, normalize it, celebrate again, normalize it. So you, are you, do you keep a little bit of that normalizing mindset, but you just celebrate more and, and are more um, thankful and more grateful as well? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we hit that goal and, you know, one of the, you know, of course we you know, celebrated, we, you know, thanked the team. And then we emphasized that this is only the beginning that, you know, we have so much more that we can accomplish from here. And we emphasize you know, how excited we are for the growth ahead because, you know, this really is for us. These are still early stages. And so, you know, I think letting people know that, you know, this is just the beginning and think about how much more we can accomplish, you know, with, you know, dialing things in more, improving, continuously improving. Um, I think, you know, getting everyone on that same page where we're all, again, striving for a goal, being really proud of everything that we've done, but always striving to improve and do better um, Mm. has been really helpful. How about yourself? Where have you messed up what have you done wrong what did you where'd you drop the ball um hmm. I would say for myself it would fall into earlier how I had said you know not saying no enough um so I've been pretty resistant to you know hire not out of anything other than being nervous about someone not being able to do whatever job I was doing as efficiently or, you know, as quickly as I was able to do it. So I delayed a lot of hires in the operations department. Because you could do it? Because I I really was convinced that I was like, I I didn't know if I could find someone that could do it as quickly as me or as, or just (laughs) they could do it as perfectly as you could. Yeah. And, and so, but as a result, my bandwidth became just, incredibly like stretched thin and it got to then a point where it was like oh shoot now we need to make you know this hire where it could have been an easier hiring process for a role then it was suddenly like an emergency because I was doing way too many things at once and then of course things would suffer because I wasn't able to put the proper amount of energy um, into that role what are you going to try to get off your plate next uh, so right now, uh, we are actually hiring an internal uh, recruiter who's going to help with, you know, the recruiting candidates, screening candidates, um, also with a lot of the onboarding and HR um, things. Currently, I still do a lot of the onboarding. And so that's going to be really great to have someone help with that. And also with just having someone who, and that's actually something, again, where I did feel that, you know, that little voice in my head that was like, I don't, does anyone know the company culture the way you do? And I had to remind myself, you know, 
I can find someone and, you know, and teach them and empower them to, you know, take on that role of being that person at the front lines, making sure that, you know, the people that we're bringing on are, you know, going to continue to uh, you know, help us grow and that they're going to do well. YouTube does not seem like it's going anywhere. You know, it's not like it's MySpace and it's going to disappear on us. You probably don't even know what MySpace is because you're young. Um, (laughs) But but YouTube's not going anywhere. It's not like it's going to disappear and be like an antiquated platform. But you do have as a company all your eggs in that one basket in a way. Are you looking at any extensions into other platforms? Are you looking at going deeper into YouTube in another way or... Um, anything on the product side? Where where are your thoughts as a company there? So we do um, currently help our clients with what we call omnipresent retargeting. So, you know, of course, you you have your YouTube ads, they're dialed in, they're doing really well. Now let's start targeting your leads everywhere. And when we say everywhere, I mean, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, ad roll display ads, um, Snapchat, Twitter, we're experimenting with TikTok, pretty much anywhere that you can put an ad, we're implementing our omnipresent retargeting strategy. Um, and we've seen clients get really great results. I always joke to people when they go to the ad outreach homepage, I'm like, you're going to see us forever. You know, you're going to see us forever, basically. Do most of your clients have a marketing team in place or at least a full-time marketing person working for them? Is that who you tend to work with? It depends. Um, I would say that the clients who, we have some who, don't who you know do everything on their own they're still in those early stages um and then those who actually do have the you know infrastructure in place who have a marketing team in place um those are ones that actually that you know we found can be a really great fit for um going directly into our back-end offer and the back-end offer is where we implement that omnipresent retargeting that's showing them how to you know not just advertise on youtube but also advertise on other platforms Interesting. And, i mean for us you know video you know it's video based or video based value driven marketing is our expertise so you know the platforms might change over the years but we'll always you know be get, providing value through video that's something that's never going away how about you and Alaric so so he's been the founder ceo you've been with him right from the early days where do you and he struggle or get frustrated with each other i mean it's got to be like a normal you know, we call it the business marriage, right? Where you've got um, Brian and I, when Brian was CEO and I was COO, they called us the business married couple because, you know, we had our married fights about the company all the time. Where do you guys argue, get frustrated with each other? And and then how do you work through that? So it was really helpful actually through COO Alliance when we took the Colby assessment um, because we were able to put words to a lot of these struggles that we didn't Mm. necessarily have language to uh, express, but so he's incredibly high on quick start. Like I think he had the highest score you could possibly get on quick start. So when he has an idea, he wants to implement that instantly. Right. Of course. And whereas I am as high as you can possibly get on follow through. So you want to have all the systems and processes before you want to start anything. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, we were running into some, a bit of a communication issue when, you know, he would have an idea and I would say, okay, but you know, we don't have this or we don't have that. Like I would have all of these kind of obstacles. What he, what he saw as me trying to slow it down with obstacles, when in reality, I, or to me at least, I felt that I was trying to mitigate risk and ensure that it right. would be successful. 
Yeah, it's interesting. When you do that Colby A, it's the Colby A profile and you you match between the two. Yeah, you want to put the systems and processes in place. He wants to run at 100 miles an hour. Feel And every time you say, yeah, but he thinks you're arguing with him, but you're not arguing. You're merely trying to understand the rest of it to put all the systems in place to run as fast as he wants to run. Exactly. So do you, do you do that kind of a Colby match? I forget what they call it, that A to A match or whatever. Do you do that with other members of your team as well? We are planning actually. So recently, um, this has actually been in the past month. We've, you know, really developed our full executive team. Um, mm. We now have our, you know, we have our uh, head of client success. We have our marketing director. We have, you know, Alaric as the CEO. Um, having myself as head of operations um, and, you know, having that, that executive team in place has really been incredible. Um, and that's actually something that uh, we're going to be doing shortly is having everyone take the Colby test so that, you know, we can just continue to improve. Oh, and also, oh, sorry, head of sales. I was like, oh, I know I was forgetting one. <laughs> There's one more. That's out there. Important. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I, I just launched a course called invest in your leaders as a, a way to give kind of the 12 core leadership and management skills to every manager in a company. And the one area that I couldn't include would be a personality profile because there's so many different ones. And I like doing almost a different personality profile assessment every year of everyone on the leadership team. So like this year you do Colby and next year you do DISC and then the next year you do Myers-Briggs and it's just a way to learn more about each other, right? Which is kind of fascinating way to, to build the, the trust and the, um, the relationship amongst people is to understand them more. So I think you're, you're really on the right track with that. All right, Julie, if we were to go back to, oh, let's, I want to talk about the remote and, um, and opening because you guys are opening up an, an office in Austin right now and kind of migrating the whole team. Were you and Alaric from Austin or did you guys move there? And, and then what's, well, give us the story there. So um, Alaric is from uh, the Boston, you know, Boston area, Boston, Massachusetts. We met actually at UMass Amherst. So university of Massachusetts. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey. And when we, when I grad, when we both graduated from college and said, okay, we got to, you know, at an office, uh, we got one in Cambridge. And it was good. Um, but one thing that we were running into was that, you know, both of us have had this vision for an in-person office, this vibrant office where we could have, you know, as many people as possible in there and, you know, collaborate and share ideas. And it's a little hard to do in Boston to find a, like a 5,000 square foot office uh, for a reasonable price. And then also, the culture of Boston we found wasn't necessarily in alignment with the business. So we started looking elsewhere. Uh, we looked at, you know, Nashville. Um, and then we also looked at Austin and more and more things kept pointing to Austin. And then finally we traveled there and that just sealed the deal when it came to, you know, knowing that this was the place where we knew the company could grow, could, you know, flourish. Um, and that it was just the right place for the business. Yeah, it's a fun city. It's an energetic city. It's got a great um, vibe with uh, Austin city limits. And so have you been to South by Southwest yet? I haven't. Wait. Hopefully I have it this year. Yeah, wait till your first South by. I doubt they'll have it. I think it's normally held in April or May. So it'll probably be next year that they'll run South by. I don't think they'll run this year. But yeah, you'll love that whole that whole vibe. It's a great, great market. Um, so now you're running, some people are going to be remote and some people are in the office. What's your thoughts behind that? And how do you blend everyone together? 
So um, one thing that, you know, we made clear to everyone when we said, hey, we're, you know, moving to Austin, we would love for as many people as possible to, you know, be in person, but we wanted to make sure that everyone knew they would not be penalized for not moving. You know, we weren't going to let people go because they had a family, because they weren't, you know, aren't, because of things outside of their control. However, you know, those that do move know that, you know, that's where the ideas are happening. That's where, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. It's an exciting environment. And so we've just kept it, you know, the conversation open with people saying, okay, even if any of someone says, you know, not right now, that's absolutely fine. You know, and we're happy to revisit the discussion. And then of course we are going to be hiring in Austin, you know, going forward. Um, but I think, you know, and I wouldn't, I mean, I, every single member on our team is so incredible and so valued. I couldn't imagine, you know, letting them go for something like not being able to relocate just because we've also been working remotely successfully for so long. So. Yeah. It seems to be the trend with all companies right now as well as they're, they're starting to make the shift to maybe we'll come back to an office. Maybe it'll be at a hybrid, but we've certainly become more empathetic to everyone. And we've, and we've learned that we can work from anywhere and not necessarily want to, but we can. So it's pretty cool that you can do it. And so, yeah. It's also fortunate. I think our team really likes being together. I mean, you know, we, every month we make sure we're doing you know, a virtual event and, everyone is so excited to actually meet in person and, you know, hang out in person. So I, that is something that I'm very grateful for is that we actually, you know, outside of work, enjoy spending time with each other, enjoy hanging out with each other. And so a lot of us are, you know, excited for this you know next chapter where we're going to be able to do things like holiday parties and, you know, dinners after work. And Did you do some of the fun, the, uh, the events with work play jam as well? Did you do some of those? Yeah. Oh, they're we pretty cool. Have, we have one planned uh, next week. We've nice. Trivia has been uh, a hit. Trivia is good. Yeah, we just did one recently. We did a family feud, um, which was kind of fun. But I want to look at, I want to see what else they've got too, because they've got some pretty cool ones that they're bringing on board. All right, let's go back to the, well, not too far back. This is, I was going to say, let's go back to the 22-year-old Julia, but that's like not that far back ago. But let's go back to, you're just, you're just starting as an intern. You know, you're just going to walk into this um, ad outreach as an intern and you want to give yourself some advice back then. What advice would you tell yourself back then? I think I, I would tell myself to go with my gut, to trust my instinct that this is going to, this is going to go somewhere. Um, Cause at the time I had a feeling and that's why I, you know, poured so much energy into what I was doing. Um, but of course my, you know, my parents were, were worried. This was their, their, they didn't know how it would end up. You know, I had, mm-hmm. you know, people asking, are, is this what you're going to do long-term? Are you sure this is an internship you want to take? You know, how is this going to affect the rest of your career? And so there were some moments of doubt, but, you know, if I could say anything to myself, it would be just trust your gut and, and you're, it's going to pay off. <laughs> Julia Gordy, it looks like it's paying off the head of operations for ad outreach. So thank you so much for sharing with us today on the second command podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Appreciate it. You've been listening to second in command brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe for more best practices from industry leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.